0: We have heard the Jesus Jesus Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the old-fashioned revival hour, a broadcast of the gospel with Dr. Charles E. Jesus Saves. Without further ado, let's join the broadcast just getting underway.
1: Here, fine audience here today to sing heavenly sunshine to you. My you know what we do, we sing through once, and as we sing through, we turn around, shake hands with as many as possible. A large number of first-timers here today, so all together on Heavenly Sunshine. Heavenly, heavenly sunshine. Heavenly
2: lowest hell. The guilty pair but done with care. God gave his son.
0: blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. Was
2: at the old-time altar where God came in my heart, and and now my sins are gone. The Lord took full possession, the devil did depart. I'm glad In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God,
0: my sins are gone.
2: I'm living now for Jesus. I'm happy night and day because my sins are gone. My soul is filled with music. With all my heart, I say, I know that all my sins are gone.
0: of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are
1: And now, Mrs. Fuller with the letters. Go right ahead, honey.
3: Greetings, friends. From Mississippi, a lady writes, Dear Mr. Fuller, It's strange how I first came to listen to your program. Some four years ago, I became very ill and was confined to my bed for nearly three months. During that time, of course, the radio was my only means of hearing the gospel. I was a Christian, but not a yielded one. And the messages you gave were a constant rebuke to me because of my lack of concern for the lost. But during that time of illness, the Lord began to work on my heart and bring me closer to himself. However, I continued to resist after I became well again and was still far from being a spiritual Christian. And though I still listened, your sermons were more of a whip than a comfort to me. After I began to study the word and strive to obey it, Then I began to really enjoy your programs, and although the word still cuts deep at times, I now thoroughly enjoy hearing the truths you teach and join heartily in your prayers for the lost. Dear Mr. Puller, I feel I must tell you of my joy since our son accepted Christ at your meeting in Long Beach. He called me up long distance, for he knows how I have been praying for him since he was little. He's a good boy, but one thing has kept him from yielding, though God has been dealing with him for a long time. I wrote and asked him to go and hear you in Long Beach, and he did, and then he kept going every Sunday for over two months, and wrote me how much he was enjoying the fine music. Finally, something you said in the sermon settled it, and he went forward and accepted Christ, and he really meant it. I never shall stop praising God for his goodness in answering my prayer. Dear Reverend Fuller, I am a busy mother in a family of seven, and now as things have turned out, I am so thankful that I have followed the Lord from the first with my family, though it wasn't easy, for my husband wasn't in sympathy with the gospel. I've carried on the family altar by myself and always went with the children to Sunday school and church. Your program has been a must in our family each Sunday for years, and the children love it and feel they know every one of you like old friends. They are all Christians down to the baby, and have prayed with me for their daddy for a long time. This spring he accepted the Lord right here by our radio, in our shabby little living room, which brought us much happiness. I could have slipped back under the circumstances, for I was not a very strong Christian to start with. But I feel that the old-fashioned revival hour each Sunday was the one thing That kept me close to God For which I am so thankful that is all for today, friends
1: Let's stand, please Number 32 on your song sheet Just one verse and chorus of Let the lower lights be burning Remain standing for prayer, please Father, we are trusting thy word and the Holy Spirit to apply that word, to bring light to darkened, alienated souls, that they may see Jesus, the light of the world, and find him as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. For we ask it in Christ's name for his sake.
2: Save Savior, Lord forever. Lord forever, thou remainest, Christ my Lord, thou remainest.
1: Revival Hour coming to you from the Municipal Auditorium at Long Beach, California. This is Charles E. Fuller speaking. Will you take your Bibles, please, and have them open at the 12th chapter of Genesis. That's the first book in the Bible, 12th chapter of Genesis, and be ready for the second in the series on Abraham, the Obedience of Faith. And now the quartet will sing, Leave It There. It is recorded in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, that the Lord appeared unto Abraham seven times. Seven is the perfect number. I'd like to have you note the order, please. The first appearance, we have a command, and the second appearance, a promise. The third appearance, a command, the fourth appearance, a promise, fifth appearance, a command and the sixth appearance of promise. And at the end of each promise, before the next command, Abraham goes through a severe trial of testing of his faith. There are three outstanding trials other than that recorded in the 22nd of Genesis in reference to the offering up of his son Isaac. And it is interesting to note that those three trials prior to the 22nd chapter are from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Don't tell me that this book isn't inspired. Those things are written in order, and it's beautiful how it's outlined there. When we come to the seventh appearance in the 22nd of Genesis, we find a command, a promise, and a trial all interwoven. And so today... I'll speak very briefly upon the first appearance and the second appearance, the command and promise. Speak more at length upon the trial of Abraham's faith from the world standpoint. And this is the point. These things are written for our admonition. Men, just like as we are, went through these trials for our comfort and edification and admonition. And it's interesting how God took these Old Testament characters and permitted them to go through certain experiences so that we have a great cloud of witnesses around about us to encourage us on the pilgrim journey and not become discouraged and depressed because we are in the arena of life's journey, a great cloud of witnesses around the stadium spiritually speaking, and they're watching us, seeing whether we are running the race with patience, laying aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us. And someday we'll be at home with all the Old Testament saints and the New Testament believers with our resurrection bodies. Our labors will be over, and then we can really, in the cross of Christ, Lowly. And so as we study how God dealt with Abraham, just put yourself in Abraham's place. And we'll see now how beautifully God dealt with him. How long-suffering, full of mercy, tender-hearted, loving-kindness. The first command is in Genesis 12, 1, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. That was the command. And then the promise is in verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built, built he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Then right after that promise, he's allowed to be tested. Notice the 10th verse of the 12th chapter. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt. Mark the verbs. To sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And we'll study just in a few moments how down in Egypt he practiced deception, denying that Sarah was his wife, one sin leading to another, Then coming up out of Egypt, according to the 13th chapter, with much cattle and much goods, strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. Strife and division, deception, deceit, deny, lying, and yet a saint. Well, wonderful how God deals with these men. Now, last Lord's Day, we learned that the God of glory appeared unto Abraham in the Ur of Chaldees. The Lord giving Abraham this command for full separation from his country and from his kindred. Abraham obeyed, but it was a partial obedience. Instead of being a full, complete From the heart, obedience. It was a partial obedience. Abraham left the Ur of Chaldees, all right. But instead of leaving his father, Terah, and his nephew, Lot, behind as God had commanded to leave these kinfolks behind, he went along, or they went along with him. And on their journey, we can just imagine going from the Ur of Chaldees up to Haran. And Haran, I love to stop and just give you the meaning of the words, means parched, a dry, desolate place. And for at least five years, Abram and his father and his nephew lived at Haran. And not until the death of his father Terah, which word means delay, by the way, was the link broken that separated him from his dwelling in Herod. And so, after the death of Terah, in a dry, desolate, desert place, Abram and Lot journey west, turning their back upon the sun worshippers' idols, going west to Palestine, and coming by the way of Damascus. And on their way, They came to the wonderful oasis in the desert, Damascus. And secular history tells us that Abraham camped near Damascus for some time. And at that time, Damascus was a city of great luxury and beauty for the ice-cooled waters descending from the surrounding mountains, tempered the hot-fevered plains. And the plains and the cities were covered with abundant, luxurious growth and much tropical fruit. It was a beautiful spot. And Abraham stopped on his way from Haran to Palestine. And young convert, listen, in God's divine providence commanding you to come out and be separate into a life of full surrender and a life of faith. Sometimes you'll meet the oasis of the world very tempting, very beautiful, appealing to the eye and to the flesh. And it'll be a temptation to stop on the way to full obedience. Stop at the oasis of the world. God called you to complete obedience. Notice verse 5 of Genesis 12. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth unto the land of Canaan. Then it says, into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land under the place of Shechem, under the plain of Morah, the Canaanite was then in the land. And it's interesting, as Abram became a pilgrim and a stranger, separating himself from the former country, that he came to a place of strength, shechem, meaning a shoulder, a place of strength, and the plains of Moriah, meaning instruction. And that's exactly What a young convert needs as he starts his life of faith, instruction in the word, and strength from the law. For we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And Paul said when he was weak, then he was strong. And Paul again said, I can do all things through Christ. And you need strength. And you need wisdom. And so this book is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, giving us wisdom as to how to walk the pilgrim journey. Well, will you notice it, please? After this next appearance in verse 7, a promise, as I read to you a moment ago, under thy seed I will give this land. And there he built an altar. And as I told you last Sunday, the altar was the place where the burnt sacrifice was made. And Abraham knew that the way of approach on the part of a sinful man to a holy God was on the basis of the death and the shedding of a blood, of the blood of an innocent substitute in his place instead. Always bear in mind that if we walk in the light as he is in a light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. That's the basis of relationship, basis of fellowship, the basis of all blessing, the blood of the burnt offering. An altar, now notice where it was located. And he removed from thence into a mountain. He became a pilgrim going to the high places. And on the east of Bethel, the house of God, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west. And, Hei, a heap of ruins on the east. May I stop and say to you that when you come to the altar, when you come to the cross and see things in the light of the cross of Christ, and get a vision of the glorified, risen Christ, who died in your place instead. The things of this world become Hay, a heap of ruin, And the world will soon pass away in the fashion thereof. But he that doeth the will of my Father shall abide forever. Listen. Two things marked the pilgrim, a tent and an altar. The tent was easily removed. It wasn't a building with great rock foundation, a tent, and an altar. And when I stop to think of it, that these bodies are compared to tents, these earthly tabernacles of ours can be so easily removed. Just one breath between you and eternity. Death takes place. The soul and spirit leaves this earthly tent or tabernacle. What happens? Laid away, sown in weakness, raised in glory, sown in dishonor, will be raised at His coming in honor. Sown a natural body, it'll be raised, if you're in Christ Jesus, a spiritual body. But this tent, daily, outwardly perishing in spite of all that you try to do, can be easily removed. And so we're living in these earthly, tense, temporary, abiding places. But someday, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God, beloved. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him for we shall see him as he is. And then this body of our humiliation will be fashioned like unto his glorious Hallelujah. I'm sorry for you if you do not have the blessed hope. I'm sorry for you, friend of mine, outside of Christ, without hope, without God, without Christ, dead in trespasses and sin. My heart goes out to you. You haven't the blessed hope. And if the someone should come today to leave that earthly tabernacle of yours, you would go to the place where the wicked abode, waiting the judgment of the great white throne. And so Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not always sleep. or shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, that is, those that are in Christ. In a twinkling of an eye, the last trump, as corruption shall put on incorruption and mortality shall put on immortality. I just wonder, you know, as I preach Sunday after Sunday and look at the fine visible audience here at Long Beach and think of the millions listening in on the radio, I just wonder how many are really in Christ Jesus. You know that you've passed from death unto life. How many of you are really in Christ? You're going to have to meet Him someday. You're going to have to meet Him Face to face, and if you're outside of Christ, you'll have to bow and acknowledge Him to the glory of the Father, but it'll be in judgment. I don't know why the Holy Spirit just arrested me at this point. Really now, young man, listen. Are you really in Christ Jesus? Are you Christ in you in this earthly tabernacle of yours? By faith, you know what it means. To pass from death unto life and become a new creation. Well, Abraham had a test of his faith, and you'll have tests of your faith. No child of God will ever escape tests of his faith. Every son he receiveth, he child frames, chasteneth. And the more he loves you, it seems like the more he chastens you. It's for your good. And so Abraham had a trial. A famine came upon the land. Now listen to me carefully. God had promised him the land, and when the famine came and the famine was grievous in the land, Abraham went down to Egypt and by that going down, admitted that God wasn't able to keep him in the land. It was an act of unbelief. He'd promised it to him, and yet he wasn't able. You know, I was reading in the book of Ruth how Elimelech, which word, by the way, means God is my king, how there was a famine in the land in the days of the judges, and Elimelech and his wife Naomi, so forth, went down from Bethlehem, the house of bread, to Moab. And he was a living lie every moment that he was in Moab. Why? Because the Moabites could say to Elimelech, Elimelech, listen. Is God your king? What are you doing down here in Moab? Now listen to me. If you really believe that God is able to supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, then why do you go to the elements of the world for help? Why do you? And I have seen young believers in desperation, turn to the elements and the carnal weapons and try every way but turning and trusting God. And Abraham bless his heart. When the test came, he went down. He lied. He practiced deception. He denied that Sarah was his wife. But the Lord was faithful according to the 17th verse. The Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Whether we're faithful or not, God is always faithful. And it came to me with new force today that no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the test, God is able. Listen to the profitable, and I'll close with this. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. The field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stall. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Why? The Lord God is my strength. I notice, He will make my feet like hinds' feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places. If God be for you, who can be against you? And when tests and trials and afflictions come, and they will, don't go down to Egypt, the type of the world. Go down on your knees and turn to God. I'll never forget as long as I live. During the Depression many years ago, we were right down I didn't know which way to turn. I didn't know what the next day would bring forth. And I was walking the streets of Los Angeles, wondering just where to go and what to do, when I went by a little mission, and I heard some beautiful singing. And I went and sat down in the back row of that mission, and they were singing, Be not dismayed, God will take care of you. I let the tears come, walked out of that building, thanking God that He's never forsaken, never left me. He's abided faithful. Are you in Christ? Let's bow our heads and pray. We thank thee today, Heavenly Father that Thou art the eternal God. Far above all powers and mights and principalities, we thank Thee that the Lord Jesus, our representative, is at Thy right hand bearing the marks of Calvary, ever living to make intercession for us and can be touched with the feeling of our infirmity, our high priest. And we thank thee that the Lord is ever calling, calling men and women to come home, come unto me all ye laboring heavy laden, labor, and I'll give you rest, being justified by faith to have peace with God, and then to know the peace of God. And friends in Radio Land, while we're praying here in Long Beach, bowed in prayer, we're praying for you that you'll just slip out of your chair, right by your radio, if possible, and say, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake. I want to know him. I want to know Christ. I want to receive him as my personal Savior. God bless you wherever you are. Let's continue in prayer as we leave the air on the old-fashioned revival hour. This is Charles E. Fuller speaking, bidding you goodbye and trusting that God's grace to be with you next Lord's Day.